And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, still getting, Boomer is still getting reaction on the text line from that uh, yeah, monologue. Man, I mean, it was an incredible story, and I know people want to just go – Go read that, and uh, I mean, yeah, read it again because that's how awesome it was. John from Huntsville just texted in. He said, uh, looked up the four chaplains on the internet. They're awesome. He named one of them George Lansing Fox. He said was one brave man. Joined the army to serve in World War, serve World War One when he was just seventeen years old. Mm. Yeah, and got the Silver Star. Um, Rita from Scottsboro said, "Some thanks so much for that monologue. I can only pray that I would ever be that brave. I have a feeling there's a bunch of folks that would rise to the occasion. Rita, uh, I'm sure you'd be one of them. Uh, GI Joe down in Birmingham." Um, he pointed out that uh, chaplain assistants are now called religious affairs specialists. Okay. They're the guys that shoot you if you mess with the chaplain. That's, that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, Brian from Huntsville uh, enjoyed it. He said the chaplain's medal of honor. That's, that's, that's good stuff. And he also said he'll take the four chaplains over the four horsemen any day. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, all right. Hey, listen, I'm jumping into number one of the triple dipper, raising the roof. I'm talking about the debt ceiling. So, First of all, I mean, you and I, we have our own personal debt ceilings. We do. At our household, we know what our pay is. We know what our income levels are supposed to be, whether it's supplemented with something besides just our paycheck or whatever. Either way, you know what your household income, generally speaking, is every month. You know what your output is. You got your inputs and your outputs, and then you got your credit lines. So if you have a credit card or a line of credit at the bank, even those line of credits with the bank or the uh, the, 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 you know, the equity loan on your home or the credit card, they have a cap on them. They, they can only go so far. And oh, by the way, they charge interest. And at some point, if you're not careful, you get upside down because you realize that all of a sudden you're having to make payments that are so big on your debt that your income can no longer sustain the interest or pay down on your debt. That's an awful place to be in. And people wind up there sometimes because of carelessness and, and you know, and, and a, a lack of, uh, of impulse control. And sometimes because they've had a bad circumstance in life, like, you know, the business failed during COVID or, or someone had a massive medical emergency. Anyway, all I'm saying is this. You and I, we know what our debt limit is and we have to live with it. And we don't have the luxury of just going, you know, I just feel like I want to keep spending why would you do that? And, and the answer to that is you and I would be considered irresponsible. You and I would be considered like completely unwise if we knowingly. And I've seen, by the way, I've seen some horrible situations where someone takes advantage of another person. I've, I've, I've got more than one case that has come through my law firm where we've got a, uh, you know, a, a, a senior member of society, an, an elderly person, who finds out later on that their family had got hold of their credit cards and bank accounts and just run up a bill just for fun. And, and that's, that's theft, by the way. Uh, that's elder abuse. But what I'm saying is there are circumstances you may not be able to control. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we are right now as people on a day-to-day. You can't just say, well, my income is X and my expenses are Y but I just feel like spending Z. That's bad. That is very bad. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. it uh, 
it's one thing to say, I've got receivables for a business. I can see the revenue coming, but the checks are still in the mail. I know they're coming. So you draw from the line of credit to keep your cash flow going, and then you pay it back down when you get the checks in the mail. Okay. Responsibility. That's different. Yes. (laughs) You're budgeting and you're operating and your cash flow is, you know, being taken. But what would it mean if you just literally went out there and just spent wantonly because you just felt like it? Because somebody had a great idea. That's what we have in D.C. Man. Yeah. That's what we have in D.C. In D.C., the credit or the, or the debt ceiling is what you and I would call our credit line limit. You know, your cap on your credit card, that's what they have in D.C. They have the debt ceiling. They can't go past a certain point. It's the, it's the, the Treasury Department is not allowed to go any further into debt than whatever. Well, <laughs> it's, it's almost an illusion. It's like saying, well, there's a line in the sand and we won't cross it until we draw a new line in the sand. Then we can cross it, but we'll stop at the next one until we draw a new line in the sand. That's what they're doing. So right now, here we are. We're at a point right now where we are at $31.4 trillion as a debt ceiling. That's not, by the way, that's not our budget. That's not our revenue. That's, that's our debt. The interest payments on the debt alone like you and I have to make a, par- a payment on the credit card and we have the minimum payment due? Well, they have interest payments due on this debt. So the, the U.S. government literally winds up having to borrow, in a sense, by selling bonds and that kind of thing, and they wind up getting stuck in a position where they have to pay off that debt, but that debt then, oh, by the way, sometimes it's easier just to pay the minimum payment like you know any other household might. But that minimum payment doesn't really absolve you of the debt. It just keeps things moving. And then when you know all you can do is make the minimum payments, if that, why would you go out and borrow more? But they keep doing it. Now, there are things that happen in life. I can look back at 9-11. Like I, I, when I was in Montgomery, I remember being at the podium one time, and we were discussing whether or not to do a bond issue on the prison system. And I was very concerned at that particular moment because we had just had, I think, two corrections officers had been murdered in prison riots or prison unrest in Alabama. And I I pointed out to the men and women of the Senate, I said, those corrections officers, those are like our troops. Imagine that you're a general. Those are your troops. We're sitting here today saying that they need more, but we're not willing to give it to them. There's only very few times that I would consider deficit spending. And one of those is to make sure that troops who are in harm's way have what they need. So after 9-11, there was defense spending that ramped up in a big way. And I didn't have a much heartburn about that because I was downrange myself without an up-harmored Humvee. I was downrange myself without supplies being able to get to me. And it took, because I was there in the first few years of the war uh, in both theaters, I can just tell you there was a whole lot of catch-up. We weren't ready for it. So deficit spending to keep troops safe and give them what they need to fight a war, I, I can sort of get that. That's an exigent circumstance. But when you have discretionary non-defense spending, and that's a term, by the way, discretionary non-defense spending. They, they take things, they break them out. Discretionary non-defense spending means you didn't have to do it. You could choose to do it. And it doesn't relate to fighting wars. Discretionary non-defense spending is out of control. Discretionary non-defense spending is like saying we're going to have 87,000 new IRS agents. And we got to fund them to the tune of a billion dollars. Discretionary non-defense spending is like saying, we're going to pass the Inflation Reduction Act that does nothing to reduce inflation. It just gives pork projects to every 
Democrat area in the nation. Discretionary non-defense spending is things like the infrastructure bill to go deal with racist roads and, and green equities and to subsidize uh, wind farms and solar farms that cannot possibly compete with the free market, so they have to have government subsidies to make it work. Dis- non-discretionary uh, or discretionary non-defense spending is things like putting up charging stations on the side of the highway for people to charge the electric vehicles you're being forced to bow by when, oh, by the way, if that's going to work, then the free market should be the one doing it, and there should be somebody making a business out of it, not the government paying to put them in. I got so many tangents I could run with on this whole thing. <laughs> There's so many. So many. Just, I mean, I can just take, I can just do a whole dipper here and just call it <laughs> discretionary non-defense spending and just go all just day go. long. But here's the thing. CNBC. Did you go to CNBC, Phil? I did. CNBC. Dateline uh, yesterday. Treasury Secretary Yellen, bless her heart, Treasury Secretary Yellen says Treasury is taking extraordinary measures to avoid default as U.S. hits debt limit. The Treasury Department says started taking so-called extraordinary measures to keep paying the federal government's bills. So here's the bottom line. What the conservatives in Congress are asking for right now is to cut spending. They know, just like you and I know, that we have to pay the piper. They may not have been the ones who voted for the debt, or maybe they have. But they still know that they have a fiduciary obligation to the people of the United States to make sure that the bills are paid on time. It's a contract, if you will. If you and I signed up to get a credit card, you and I have to pay the piper when the credit card bill comes due. We get that. But you and I know that if the credit card payment is due, it's probably not time to go buy a new car. You and I both know if the credit card payment, if you're struggling with it, you probably shouldn't be outfitting your wardrobe with the new spring fashions. You know what I'm saying? So the reality is, you cut your spending personally. You look at things and say, I won't do that. Or I was going to do this, now I'll do less of that. Or we were going to add on, you know, uh, a, a new deck on the house. It's going to be a smaller deck now. <laughs> you know, you just find those things. Uh, you know what? I, I, I've been so busy at work, I've had somebody else cutting my grass, but it looks like I have to cut my own grass now because I can't afford to pay that guy so I can pay the credit card. That's the way you and I operate. That's not the way the government operates. The Treasury Department is saying that even though the debt ceiling was hit yesterday, it was yesterday. Yesterday was the the date at which current expenditures needed additional debt so they could make ends meet. But Treasury says, uh, well, we can rearrange some things and stop making payments on this thing that's not due till June anyway. And so, yeah. Secretary of the Treasury uh, Janet Yellen said the Treasury will suspend new investments in the Civil Service Retirement and Disability Fund and the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund from last Thursday, yesterday, until June 5th. Not saying they're going to dismantle the funds. What they're saying is those payments weren't due right now, so money's fungible. They're going to reallocate some, some resources. That's what you and I do at home all the time. You know, oh, honey, we... Uh, you want to go out to eat? Well, it looks like we're doing uh, a burger as opposed to a steak. You know, you make those decisions. The U.S. government, according to the CNBC article I've got in my hands, has not defaulted on its debt ever, ever. We're the most solvent nation in the world, sort of. But 
The debt ceiling has been raised 22 times from 1997 to 2022. Keep in mind, that means a lot of our history, we were not exceeding our debt limit. In fact, in 2011, I believe we had a balanced budget because Republicans held on and got sequestration, which aggravated some people, I know. It was like, if, if you were in government, you didn't like it because it might have cut some of your resources. If you were one of the special interests, you didn't like it because it slowed down what you could get contracts for. But you know what? By God, it was right. All right, we're going to keep talking about this because I, I got to tell you, there's a, there's, a, there's a Mexican standoff going on right now. Is that politically incorrect for me to say that, a Mexican standoff? Is that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I've said it all my life. It just dawned on me. I may be politically incorrect again. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a break right now. We're going to come right back and continue this thread because, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a big deal. What's, what's also really a big deal is whether or not Republicans who just showed that they've got some strength, some clout in D.C., if they can hang on right now for the negotiations. We'll tell you about that more in a minute. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. So debt ceiling, this whole person, first part of the Triple Dipper, we're calling it raising the roof, uh, the debt ceiling. It's a little pun, a little, little play on words. Be a little Okay, anyway, all that to say, <laughs> apparently I'm feeling very clever with myself right now. Um, Secretary of uh, the Treasury, Janet Yellen, is urging, urging Congress, urging to raise the debt limit again. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, <laughs> you can imagine what he says, American families will pay the price for gratuitous partisan politics over the debt ceiling increase. This is not complicated. If the MAGA GOP, the MAGA GOP, stops paying our nation's bills, Americans will be the ones to pay the price. Will we? I don't know. You know, they're talking about cats and dogs living together, global economy collapsing. I don't, would it really? I don't know. I mean, at what point do we stop? So right now what's happening is, and you'll be glad to know that uh, the Alabama delegation is on board with this. For the most part, I can see, um, eight, uh, like 1819 News has a piece, our brand new Congressman Dale Strong. The solution to the debt limit must include spending cuts. That's what conservatives in Congress are holding out for right now. They're not saying we won't pay our bill. They're saying we won't pay our bill and have nothing else to show for it. They're saying we won't just pay the bill and also jack up our spending again. We want to cut some things. We want to trim down and then use the found money from having trimmed down to pay the bill. And that's what you and I do at home. So 1819 News on Thursday, it says the U.S. government hit its debt limit, which is the total amount of money the government can borrow. U.S. Representative Dale Strong said Congress needs to work on a solution that, it, that includes cuts in spending nationwide. He says, when you're approaching $32 trillion in debt, that's concerning to anyone. I believe we've got to work on this together. Treasury will do emergency operations to get us to spring, probably to a vote. Congress is going to have to make the decision on the debt limit, paying for debt from previous Congresses. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's in the he's in the uh, you know in unenviable position of being the guy who I wasn't there to vote on it. Now I got to deal with it. So there's that. Um, but but what they're doing right now is they're holding out, and there's actually some you know procedural machinations, if you will, about what they're looking at doing. Um, there's a rare, rarely used procedure. You know, and by the way, it's 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 interesting to me that everything has to follow procedure. You can't just go up there and go, I'm going to drop a bill and make it happen. It doesn't work that way. And and so you have to know the rules. We've talked about it here on the show before. You have to know the rules and have the art of politics as much as the, the means of politics. But there's a thing right now they're looking at called a discharge petition. A discharge position, petition. It says members of both parties in the House— these are the moderates, by the way, Democrats and moderate Republicans. Members of both parties in the House, according to Daily Wire dated yesterday, are entertaining the idea of using a rarely utilized discharge petition to force a vote on raising the debt ceiling as Democrat leaders refuse to negotiate. Republican, conservative Republicans are saying, let's talk about cuts and we'll talk about raising if we have to. Democrats are saying, we won't. We don't think you got it in you. And the White House is saying, we're not going to do it. So the procedural maneuver of a discharge petition, the way it works is this. A measure gets forced out of a committee to a House floor vote um, simply by having certain things in place. You have, to, you have to have a bill that was submitted to a committee. It has to be up for 30 days in committee. It has to have 218 signatures. And then it has to spend seven legislative days on the calendar, which is the, the, the list of bills that are being considered. At, if that happens, those things happen, the speaker then only has two days after that to put it up for a vote upon notice to all the members. So what they're saying is this. Unlike the normal procedure of working a bill through committee, then getting it through the rules committee, which is the one that establishes the calendar, and then the input of the leadership as to what bills come to the floor, in this case, you've got an outside means of circumventing that process to force it to the floor, discharge it out of committee is what they say. So a discharge petition. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Uh, I'd rather it not, to be honest with you, because this is the moderates trying to circle up with the Democrats. So me personally, I'm saying, how about no? Um, the White House is refusing to negotiate, which is interesting because I got two pieces here, one from The Hill and one from Just the News. Justthenews.com points out that when President Joe Biden was Vice President Joe Biden back in 2011, he negotiated with a bipartisan group of lawmakers, and they came up with cuts before they ever raised the, the debt ceiling. Now he won't do it. Now he's the one in charge. Now he's the one that wants to have the promo about fixing racist roads and putting in charging stations and building bridges to nowhere. Now he's the one that has the opportunity to say, I'm the guy that spent all the money. But he didn't want to negotiate, even though when he was vice president under Obama, he negotiated. All right, we're going to get some perspective on this, some color commentary, if you will, from Justin Bogey, fiscal analyst and reporter with 1819 News. He'll be with us here in one second, right after the break. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening.